uh, again, let's get back to our Bible study we've been going through on Sunday evenings with some questions you guys have given over the past couple of months. And uh, this one we've been looking at for at least the past month or two. And it's this question. In light of the coming of Christ, how should the church be preparing for His return? And of course, in this preparation, we're speaking of it in more of a practical way than a prophetical way, all right? How can we practically be preparing? And uh, we've, we've looked at a few different points, practical points with this uh, over the couple of, past couple of months, and uh, they all start with a G, uh, but the first two main points were what? What was the first one? Growing. It was growing was the first one. We all as individuals, as believers, should be growing in the Lord. As Peter said this, to grow in the grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be growing. Now, many people when they hear the church should be growing, they automatically think as in numbers. And yes, it is our desire to see our church grow in numbers. And uh, though that's not our driving force behind what we do, I also am fully aware that numbers represent opportunity to influence people for the Lord and with the Word of God, with the gospel. Uh, so yeah, we do want to grow in numbers, absolutely. But the main way we should be looking at growing is, is, is as individuals growing in the Lord, in His grace. And that happens when we grow in the grace of God. That happens as we walk with the Lord daily. And uh, as we walk with Him daily, His grace will help us and gives us the, the grace we need to endure, to live, to serve, and so much more. His grace helps us in all aspects of life. And from His grace, we learn of His strength and His love and care. And again, so much more. But we need to be growing God's grace. But how do we do that? As we walk with Him. But Peter also said to be growing in the knowledge of the Lord. But how do we do that? Well, understand God has revealed Himself through the pages of Scripture. And if you want to grow in your knowledge of your great God, then we must be in the Word of God. That is the only way, all right? So get in the Word and let God show you how good He is, how, 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 much, how much grace He has, so much mercy He extends, how, how kind He is, how holy He is, and, and just so much more. Learn about His character and His attributes. And again, just so much more about God growing in that knowledge as we are in the Word of God. So in light of Christ's soon return, what should we be doing? Be growing, all right? What else? What was the second one we looked at? It was going. We should be going. What does that mean? Going with the gospel. We should, as believers, be giving out the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news, that's what the gospel means. The good news of His death, burial, and resurrection. The good news of letting people know that God has paved the way for Hell-deserving sinners like us to come to a holy God like Him. But how is that made possible? It's only through Jesus and all He has done for you and for me. But understand, there are folks that don't have that knowledge. Even as Paul said to Corinthian believers, he said, For some have not the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. And so what has happened is God has commissioned, has, has chosen the church to go and tell of His saving grace, to go and tell the gospel. Again, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And Mark 16, 15, he said unto them, Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
So this is what we need to be doing. We should be doing. And again, that going is not just for the preacher or, or it's not just for, for, for the youth pastor. It's not just for the deacons and Sunday school teachers. No, this going aspect is for the entirety of the church. All of us should be going. All of us should be witnessing. All of us should be giving out the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then last time we met together, <clears throat> we began looking at this third point, main point, of what should the church be doing in light of Christ's soon return? Well, the church should, we should be doing this. We should be gathering. We should be gathering. Meaning this, when the church assembles together, guess what? We should be there. When the church doors are open and Boiling Springs has a meeting, then we should do all we can to try to be there. In light of the coming of Christ, we should be gathering together. Now, there are several passages we could uh, consider and look at when we think of this, this, um, this point and this subject of gathering. But the main one we're going to be in and, and started in last time is in Hebrews chapter 10. So go back there with me. Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 23 through 25 is where we'll be mainly. But uh, let's get back to that portion of Scripture, all right? Hebrews chapter number 10 and verses 23, the Bible says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, as we came to this text last time, there's, there's uh, I think I had three or four different subpoints under this one, but we only looked at one last time. And uh, we looked at this, this point last time under gathering together and it was this one we took note of the contribution of the text because be reminded here as the writer of hebrews is talking about gathering together and not forsaking that assembly we looked at this point and took note of the real emphasis upon which the um, assembling together is placed you see the emphasis is not on what can uh, what can i what can i get out of church right that's not the emphasis Rather, the emphasis is this, what can I give to the church? It's not on what can the church do for me, but it's on what can I do for the church. Again, be reminded, if we came together and we all had this mindset of, how can I be a blessing to someone today? Uh, this mindset of, how can I serve someone today? This mindset of, what can I do for my church today? If we all came to our assembly, if we all came gathered together with that mindset, do you know what that would look like? That would look like church, all right? Because that's how it should be. We come not to get, we come to give primarily. And uh, a byproduct of giving is, well, yes, it is getting. We get encouragement, we get a blessing, we get help, we get all of that as well. But if we come with a mindset of giving that and being a blessing, I'm telling you, You'll get one in return. So we looked at this last time, the contribution of, of this text. But here's what I want to see next, all right? Number two, I want to see the customary action of this verse. Look again at verse number 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, <clears throat> as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, in this verse, I want you to take note of this phrase, as the manner of some is, okay? Now, as we read this phrase, it would seem to indicate that there were some of the believers at this time who were forsaking the assembling 
of themselves together. It would seem to indicate that at this time when the book of Hebrews was written that some, some believers were not gathering together and instead they were forsaking, they were abandoning, they were leaving the church behind. Because that's what the word forsake means, to leave it behind, to abandon, to desert. And it would seem as if some believers at this time were doing just that. But then he points out this, this action had become a manner, meaning this word here in verse number 25, when it says, as the manner of some is, that manner had uh, over time become a customary act, meaning it, it, it had become a habit, <laughs> all right? This had become a habitual thing of not assembling together. So it would seem that missing the assembling together, missing church, it would seem had become a habitual thing for some at this moment with these early Christians in the first century in this time of history. It would seem they had become accustomed to just missing church and they had gotten used to not assembling because as the manner of some, of some is. Now understand, folks, just so you know, this manner, this customary, habitual thing is very easy to do. <laughs> it's very easy to do. And I believe, though it's very easy, it's also this, it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous for a believer to habitually miss church day in or week in, week out, and uh, become a customary manner, a customary act. I believe it's a very dangerous thing for a believer to consistently stay away from other believers. It can be very dangerous. Because understand, we as believers need each other. I need you. Like it or not, you need me. All right? We need each other. As believers, I'm talking about as the body of Christ, we need. We need each other. Let me ask you a question this evening. When it comes to habitually missing and becomes a customary act of some, it happened in the first century, and guess what? It still happens in the 21st century. But when it happens, when it comes to that um, habitually missing, why do you believe that genuine Christians, I'm not talking about those that may say they're believers, and of course we know some, some are not, but, but I'm talking about those that are saved. I'm talking about genuine born-again believers, right? Why do you think they find themselves habitually missing Church, I'd like to hear your answers, and that's what we're doing on Sunday evenings. It's more of a kind of a casual thing as we, as we communicate back and forth, okay? So I'd like to hear your, your answers, and understand when you give these answers, it's not coming from a place of judgment, all right? At least it shouldn't be, but really it comes from a place of concern. And uh, so that's, that's, that's where it's going to come from. I get that, all right, when I ask this. But why do you think... Believers from time to time habitually, I'm not talk, talking about occasionally, I'm talking about as a habit, miss church and really find no, no problem with it. Why do you think it happens? They got mad at somebody because somebody said something to them, all right? Not committed, okay. Complacency. Absolutely. Disobedient. I'm sorry, what? Convenience. Oh, yeah, convenience. Yes. They feel like they don't need it. Yeah. 
What else? Too busy? Yeah. If you're too busy for church, you're too busy. Amen. Yeah. The heart's in the wrong place. Misplaced priorities. Anybody else? Sure. Yeah. Excuses in general. Well, look, when we give these answers and thoughts to this, it's, again, it's not coming from a place of just hatred or judgment, but concern. And maybe some of those answers you gave, maybe you find yourself there in the past. And maybe, I don't know, you find yourself there. Um, but like I said, it's very easy to do. To find yourselves habitually missing out on gathering together. It's easy. But it's very dangerous. But when it comes to questions like these and trying to identify reasons behind them, uh, as with any issues or problems of life, trying to find solutions uh, to them, here's what I try to do, okay? I try to identify the root of the issue or the root of the problem. Uh, many times we don't always see that at the forefront. We see the fruit of the problem, right? And if all we do is deal with the fruit of the problem, then we're just going to go in a big old circle and deal with fruit the rest of our life until we deal with the root. When we deal with the root, the fruit will take care of itself, okay? So we've got to identify some roots. And uh, as I've talked with individuals over the years, and though I've not been in the ministry too, too long, I've only been in the ministry about 20 years, and been full-time capacity in, a, in about uh, be 14 years here at Boiling Springs come January. Though I haven't been in it very long, I've seen some of these um, roots about to give of why people over time habitually um, miss church. Just habitually forsake, as the scripture says, what the Bible says, use the Bible word, forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Why does that happen? Well, I want to look at three of them, and you, you basically brought them all up in one form or another, but I want to identify them, all right? Number one, here's, here's one the reason some folks give to why they miss and why they don't come or why they haven't returned. It's because of this, because, as Rick said a moment ago, they've been hurt. They've been hurt. And uh, <clears throat> what, what I mean by that is they were hurt by another believer within the assembly. Now, whether that's intentionally or unintentionally in, in the vast majority of time, I'm talking about 99.9% .9 of the time, the vast majority, it's unintentionally. But whether intentionally or unintentionally, this does, this does happen. And to be quite honest with you, I hate it. I don't like seeing anybody get hurt. I don't like to see anybody be, get hurt by another member of the assembly or by the church. I, I don't want that. And I don't want to be uh, that individual that does so. I, I promise I don't. But it does happen on, on occasions. People do get hurt. And maybe you can look back even on your life and see that have you yourself have encountered some hurt from a fellow believer. And uh, maybe you've seen that, experienced it in, in your own life. And just on a side note, though, when it does come to this issue of, of being hurt in, in church, I believe that a lot of the church hurt, it's been kind of 
dub there. Church hurt issues, I, I believe they can be settled if both parties will be willing to sit down and communicate. That is the key word. Communicate and work it out together. To communicate the misunderstandings, the miscommunications, the misinterpretations. If we just sit down and talk. But it's hard because it's uncomfortable to do. But that would settle a lot of the hurt. You'll find out that the majority of the time it wasn't on purpose. The Bible still says in Matthew 18, 15, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he, if, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. So communication, talking this out, is the key in any and all relationships, especially when it comes to this matter of being hurt. But still, hurt does happen, and does happen even within, within the church. And, but do you know who loves to capitalize on that? <laughs> the devil. I, I believe unanimously we all would agree that the devil loves to capitalize on that very thing. Wants to come alongside of you when you're hurt and just drive a wedge deeper and further. He wants to come alongside of you and absolutely fill your heart and head full of lies about the other individual or about that church or about that, you fill in the blank. He wants to fill you with lies. Why? Because he's a liar and the father of it. And because he's a liar, that's all he does. Okay? He can't help it because that's who he is. He's just going to lie. But he wants to come alongside and absolutely continue to drive lies into your heart and mind in order for you to continue to be pushed away. And really, we do the pushing. Push away from the assembly. Push away from other believers. And push away from the church till ultimately he gets you to push away from God. Because in the end of it all, you know what will happen? If we allow the hurt to continue and to fester in our heart and lives, you're going to blame God. Because that's what the devil wants us all to do. Blame God for it all. Yeah, bitterness begin, will begin to be a root. That's another root in our lives. But he will, he will cause us, if we believe his lies, to put all the blame on God. When God's not to be blamed at all. It's a lying, stinking, subtle snake, Satan himself. Do not allow the devil to fill your heart and mind with his lies. And do not believe him. Because I promise you the vast majority of believers are great folks. <laughs> the vast majority of churches are good ones. Don't let him fill your heart and mind with lies. But this is... This is a, a common root that I see and have heard from individuals when it comes to staying away from church. What's another one? Well, here's the main one. We'll look at three. I'm just going to throw the main one in the middle. Here's the main one. The main one is this, because there's sin in their life. You see, genuine believers will stay away from other believers and stay away from the church when they know they are in open sin. When they know they are absolutely wrong. See, the Bible says this in Proverbs 28 and verse number 1. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are, as, are bold as a lion. The wicked flee. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. Now, 
as I was reading that verse some years ago, what helped me to understand it better was when I began to ask questions in light of this verse. Uh, Questions like this. Well, why would somebody be running when no man's pursuing? Why is somebody running when, when nobody's chasing them? Why are they running? Why would they be hiding if no one's trying to find them out? Why would they stay away from the light if they have nothing to hide? Why are you running when nobody's running after you? Well, the answer to that question, again, is in the verse. When it says this, the first three words, the wicked flee. Because there's sin. You see, we run, we hide, we stay away We don't come around God's people. We don't want to talk to other people who we would deem spiritual individuals who walk with God. We do that because many times, listen, there's sin in our lives. And we don't want nobody to find out about it. That's why. You see, when you're around other believers who are happy in Jesus... Other Christians who are walking close with God and have joy in their lives, who seemingly doing, trying to do the right things, are not perfect. We all know that, and ain't nobody perfect. But seemingly trying to walk humbly with their God. When you get around believers who are doing that, and yet you are not doing that, guess what? The sheer testimony of their lives and the pure witness of those believers will be a strong conviction upon our hearts and lives, especially to the prodigal believer. And their light will shine upon the darkness of our own lives. And because of that, because of that conviction, because of that that witness, well, I just don't want to be around that. So I'm going to run, I'm going to hide, I'm going to flee when no man pursueth. Listen, sin can be a root that keeps Christians habitually away from the church. Habitually forsaking the church. Yet, listen to me, that is a time when we need to be with the church. You say, what do you mean? Exactly what I said. You're struggling. and sin in your life. It's not the time to stay away from God's people. Rather, it's the time to be around them. So you can find yourself some help. Find yourself some encouragement to overcome Find yourself some accountability. And maybe that's the word that none of us really like. No one wants to be held accountable, you know. Nobody likes accountability. But to overcome, we need that. I need that. You need that. We all need that. Accountability. Uh, Maybe that's why some don't want to do that, but that's the time we need. We need encouragement. We need accountability. We need help. And where are we going to find that? That true help. It's not with other people outside the church that don't care about God. But it should be some of the fellow believers within the body of Christ that want to help you, who love God. You see, we again, that's a lie of the devil. He'll, he'll, he'll put in our hearts and minds to say, listen, if you, if you go back to church with all that sin in your life, they're going to judge you and cast you out. <laughs> no. How about we help you? How about... We, we help each other and encourage each other and, and try to find some help over this struggle, and whatever it may be. And of course, I'm using quite general terms here. You know what I'm saying, though. But we need each other through these times, not, not less. 
We need more. But all I'm trying to say is this. We need each other. We need the fellowship of like-minded believers. We need that edification. We need that accountability. We need it as we found within the gathering of the church. But many people think, because they're struggling with this sin or that one, I can't come back. It's not true. I want to help you to move forward. But why else? What's another route that folks can uh, hang on to when it comes to habitually staying away? Well, number three, there's this one. They just have the wrong mindset. Wrong mindset on it. Some folks have this thought. Preacher, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. (laughs) Anybody ever heard that? Yeah. I've heard it several times. And it may surprise you, but my answer to that um, statement is this. You are absolutely right. (laughs) You don't. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Because listen, we don't go to church in order to be saved. We don't go to church and have our names on a church roll in order to have our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's not how that works. Not one bit. No, we get our names recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life when we put our faith in, in Jesus and Him alone. When we're saved by, by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's absolutely true. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But I like what one preacher said. In response to that statement, of course, no doubt he'd heard it many times. He made this statement, though. He said, you're right, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But you also don't have to go home to be married. Yeah. Yet if you stay away from home long enough, your relationship with your spouse will be affected. (laughs) I thought that was a very good statement. And no, he was not hinting to the fact of losing salvation and all of that. No, no, I wasn't talking about that. But still the fact remains, if we stay away long enough, our fellowship, our relationship with the church, our fellowship with the Lord, it will be affected. So no, we don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But that mindset and that statement is absolutely wrong for people to have. Because when we make this statement, when we have that mindset, then this makes the church about us. When somebody makes that statement, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, they're making the church about them. And it ain't. It ain't about you, it ain't about me. Be reminded once again, when we gather together, it's not about us. It's not about what the church can do for me. It's not about what I can get from the church, but it's about what I can give and what I can do for the church. You know what I'm talking about? The body. Or, I'm sorry, the building, we're talking about the body. We're talking about people. What can I do for others? So when it comes to habitually missing the gathering of God's people together, some believers have this wrong mindset, and they allow that to keep them away. But what's going to change all this? What's going to change the mindset? What's going to change the person's view on assembling with God's people or not? Well, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that we should allow our hurt to dictate that. It shouldn't be that our feelings dictate 
that. It shouldn't allow any misunderstandings of others uh, or even of ourselves to dictate that. We should not allow any sin to dictate that. What we should allow to dictate and direct our lives when it comes to everything, but especially assembling together, it should be this. Look back at our verse. Number tw- verse number 25 and point number 3 is this one. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. What should settle it? The commands of Scripture. That should be what settles it all. When it comes to should I go to church or not. That should be what changes and settles a person's mind on the matter. Should I go to church or not? Well, the Bible plainly says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. The writer of Hebrews is pretty clear here. Not forsaking. It can't get much clearer than that. Not forsaking. Yeah, but preacher, I, 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 know, it's, I know what it's saying, but what do you think it actually means here? Well, let me tell you what it actually means, all right? Get your pen out, paper out, and write it down, okay? Here we go. It's quite deep and very uh, theological and stuff, okay? Write it down. What does it mean here when he says this? Well, here's what it means. Exactly what it says. <laughs> Not forsaking. Don't do it. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Forsake not here. It carries a lot of weight. It means don't abandon. It means don't leave behind. It means don't be a deserter. Don't utterly forsake. Stop it. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Yet sadly, believers down through the years, even in the first century, have done this for one reason or another, but it ought not to be. And the only thing that really, truly should ultimately change that forsaking is not a plethora of ways of changing people's minds or having programs for this and programs for that. What should change our minds and, again, direct our, our thought on this is simply this. What did God say? And then obey it. Obey the clear commands of the Word of God. It can't get much clearer than that. Forsaking not the assembly of ourselves together. Psalm 119 and verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Trust and obey the word of God. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Proverbs 19 verse 7 through 11, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And of course there's many other scriptures we can look at that points to the simple fact that we as believers should... Just obey the clear commands of Scripture. 
And this one's pretty clear when it comes to gathering. You need to know it. We need to know it. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner, as the, as the habitual habit, as the, as the customary act of others are. Don't be like that. I know we miss from time to time. I get it. We're sick. We had several sick this morning. And the praying for those, I get it. It happens. But don't let it be a habit. Don't let it be a habit. So in light of the coming of Jesus Christ, we should be gathering together out of just mere simple obedience to God and His, and His Word. And as we said this morning, we should allow the truth of the Word of God to impact our life and to change our lives forever. And that's going to happen as we're doers of the Word and not hearers only. So what will we do in preparation of Christ's soon return? Well, number one, be growing. Number two, be going. Number three, be gathering. And we'll look at this one. I don't know what next time is exactly, but next time, be giving. We'll look at that, all right? And I know what you're thinking. Oh, great. He said be giving. He's only going to talk about money. Well, hopefully by now you know me better than that. I don't think I've ever sat, stood up here and preached on giving money. I don't think I ever have, honestly. If it was, it was in passing because the text dealt with it. But we'll look at this in giving. Giving of our time, giving of our talent that the Lord has given us, blessed us with, and yes, even giving of our treasure.